Oh my god. Hello you guys and welcome to Dog Yard Book Club. I am your host, Alexandra Shelley, and I can't even handle myself right now. Oh my goodness. I am back. I am back recording for Dog Yard Book Club. I have missed this so, so much. And if you are new here, the mission of Dog Yard Book Club is to connect you to books, thought leaders, and avid readers. And this has become such a rich community of bringing together not only incredible authors and content creators on Bookstagram, but also just really thoughtful, intelligent, creative, badass humans who have so much to say and to give, whether that's into a book and shared with the world, or their work is inspired by literature, by reading, by a particular author. And I am here to connect everyone to their magic, to the magic of books, of readers. And if you are new here again, thank you so, so much for finding me, whether you found me on Bookstagram or you found me on the plethora of podcasts, whatever you're looking for. And if you have been following me for quite some time, I cannot thank you enough for your support, for your patience. As you know, I have put Dog-Eared Book Club on the back burner for quite a bit. I have been building my psychic mediumship business, and I really had to put everything into it when it came to building my podcast for that, to building my business and scaling out my services and building out my website and really everything that comes with being a business owner. It is quite wild. And now that I feel like I've done everything I could to really put my business out there, I am now left with some free time. And you know what? God damn it. I am going to go back to Dog-Eared Book Club because it is just my heart and my soul and my love. And I am just so, so excited to be back. I mean, I am really excited to also introduce you guys to this beautiful human Emily and she is the founder and creator of Italic Type. If you do not follow her and Italic Type, don't walk run to Italic Type and make an account right now. Pretty much the best way to describe Italic Type is it is a modern day, actually incredible, robust, and just... I, sorry, I wanted to say actually useful, but then it felt very insulting to Goodreads because I don't know, I just don't really use Goodreads. It's not as appealing to me. It's never really appealed to me, but when I stumbled upon Italic Type and I actually got to making an account and exploring it, but also talking to Emily about her mission and why she created Italic Type, it is so badass. It is everything that we need as a reader. And I love the mission she has. Also, I'm going to say this. I'm going to do my best to keep my cool. But she is a professional book club facilitator. I actually can't. I'm so many things. I'm like, okay, why am I doing the wrong job? Like, am I in the wrong, like, metaverse? Like, I, do I need to be a different person with, like, a, like, oh my god, like, I am so obsessed with this career. I'm like, wait, I'm sorry, should I not be doing psychic mediumship and, like, just be a professional book club facilitator? Like, what? Sorry, I just think it's the best thing in the entire world. So, anyways, Emily and I chat really about her mission with italic type and, the state of the reader and what she observed in the reading community and what she really seeks to bring with italic type and how to not only add something to the community, but also bring back what we have been missing. I think one of my favorite aspects, which we will hear in Emily's love and description of her mission for italic type is it's made for the reader. We're not trying to run across targeted ads and be distracted in any other way besides reaching our reading goals or exploring the next author we want to pick up or the next book. And 
what's happened is, as we know, with so many websites and especially Goodreads, is it's become a place of a lot of targeted ads and just nonsense. And I maybe that's one of the reasons why I've never really used it, because it just especially I'm so ADHD. I already read to help my ADHD. And then when I go into a website that's for reading and then I get an ad about nail polish and then weight loss, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I'm so confused. I don't even hate my nails. I do not lose to, I do not need to lose weight. Like what's happening? And I don't even know where I'm going with this. But as you guys know, and if you guys have been following me or listening to me, you know my silliness. But I also love what Emily and her team are trying to accomplish because not only are their lists that they feature are so unique, they also bring a lot of awareness, which I love in the book community, whether it's Black History Month or LGBTQ Pride Month or Hispanic authors or underground authors that we do not know yet and they're underrated or any topics that need to come to the surface. But also she really helps small publishers and new authors come to the surface as well. I also love what she does. She does this newsletter called The State of the Reader, and it kind of gives everyone an update of what everyone is into, what everyone's turning to. And it just makes you feel really excited to be a part of this italic type community. And it's just intimate and wonderful and it's sleek, it's modern. I'm just really, really obsessed with what Emily is doing. And of course, we get into the mission of Italic Type. We get into her inspiration. We get into her favorite books. We also get into, you know, what inspired her to create Italic Type, which I know obviously there may be some obvious reasons when it comes to make a site that's better than Goodreads. Wow, I'm just really, I'm really just shitting on Goodreads and I feel kind of bad, but also whatever. <laughs> whatever. And I just really, really love this conversation. I walked away feeling so inspired and so enriched talking to Emily. And I'm just really, really excited to be connected with her. And I'm really, really excited that the book community has her. She is a beautiful human and adding such magic to the book community. So anyways, make sure to give Emily a follow on Instagram at italic type. I'll put that in the show notes. Also, make sure to go to italic type so you can create your account and join the community today. And of course, make sure to give this podcast a follow and share with your loved ones or whoever is interested in the book magic. And of course, make sure to give me a follow on Instagram at dogear.bookclub. And I am so excited to get into this episode. So let's get right into it. Oh my gosh. Anyways, thank you so much for coming on. It is so amazing to connect with you. And I've really been admiring italic type you know as like a beautiful just what do you call it it's funny because I sometimes still feel like a newbie in the bookish bookstagram space but honestly it's so cool because this is such like a gem of a community and every single time I connect with anyone like yourself it just Literally, it makes my day and it reminds me time and time and again, like why I'm so involved and why I love just putting my heart and soul into this community and learning not only about the the feedback I get, but also learning why other heart and souls are in this too. And it's just, it just makes this just a big love pot. I love it. I don't even know if that made sense, but thank you so much. <laughs> It is my pleasure. Um, I'm I'm so excited to get to chat with you. And uh, and what you were saying totally makes sense to me because I think <laughs> readers are the best people. And it doesn't even matter what you read necessarily. Right. I just find that readers have such a passion for books and such a passion to connect with other people about them that it really just facilitates, yeah, like a big love pot. And it's I think the best community to be a part of and work with and serve. And, and that's really what we're trying to do with Italic Type is 
create new technology and communities to help readers live their best book lives, really, and make discovering, reading, learning from, and connecting to other people about books, like, really easy and joyful. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. Live their best book life. That needs to be a sticker or something. Brought it. Yeah. Sticker. Yes. So for any listeners that have no hecking clue who you are, no yeah. clue what italic type is, please introduce yourself and introduce italic type. Yeah. Well, so I'm Emily Ackler, and I live in Chicago, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Italic Type, which is a new platform for book tracking, note-taking, and discussion all around books and the people who love them. We are providing an alternative to Goodreads uh, when it comes to a new community, a new way to track your books, blog your books. Um, and, uh, one of the things that we really focus on is helping readers cultivate deeper connections to the books that they read and to their communities. So I think reading books is one of the best ways, maybe the best way we can learn more about ourselves, learn more about the world, learn more about each other. Um, and we're trying to facilitate those connections and maximize the intrinsic rewards that we feel when we get a great book recommendation, when we recommend a book to somebody else and they read it and they love it and they tell us about it, all of those little moments we want to elevate and bring to the forefront. And then we want to also um, minimize all of the sometimes negative stuff that can come along with reading too, the pressure or the guilt or the competition and those kinds of elements. So we're really um, super laser focused on a reader-first, reader-centric mentality? How can we create the best possible experience for readers to have? Mm. This is like the dreamiest, dreamiest platform ever. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you exist. And I'm just, I'm just even really curious because I know we'll get into the bookish stuff, but even as a book entrepreneur, I'm so eager to learn. So what did you find that was missing from Goodreads that you feel like you're filling the gap? Yeah. Um, so Goodreads obviously has been around for a long time. And for many people, um, it works well and they like it. And that's great. Uh, I think, though, that there's a meaningful slice of the audience and myself included that felt like Goodreads just isn't that good. It's it's fine, but it's um, a little bit cluttered. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of feature bloat. Um, there's that big social feed that sort of dominates the whole experience uh, that has like all of your Facebook friends from 2008 sort of like ported on over into it. Um, many of those people, you may not care about what they're reading. And so uh, overall, I feel like for the user experience, there's a lack of focus, a lack of clarity and simplicity. It's a very noisy environment. And then also um, there's a lot of um, sponsored activity on there. There's a lot of ads. There's a lot of sponsored posts. And that really gets to um, the idea that on Goodreads, readers are the users, but they're not the customers right? Readers use it for free, but the customers are the publishers that are paying for the sponsored posts, for the big book ads. And so you're never quite sure, you know, what you're, if what you're seeing is real or not, is authentic, is trust, is, is worthy of trust. And so there's a, a trust element that I think is sort of lacking on Goodreads as well. Um, and then the final thing is that Goodreads is owned by Amazon. Um, and Amazon Amazon is Amazon. Honestly, they do some good things. They do some not so good things. It's a huge, huge company. And really that my thing with Amazon and readers is um, that creating an amazing technology experience for readers that helps them live their best book life is not Amazon's number one business priority, right? They're going to the moon. They're doing whatever else that they're doing. Serving readers is maybe their, I don't know, 
215th business priority, something like that. And so what we thought of was, well, what would it be like for a company to have their number one business goal be just about serving readers? What would that look like? And that's the the, diff, the main difference, I think, there. And that's what we're trying to do. Mm. My heart is singing. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I totally resonate with all of that. I think that's why that's something I was never immediately drawn to Goodreads. I know a lot of people are like, oh, have you checked out whatever? And I'm just like, it, to me, it feels just like another place to right. just do stuff. It doesn't actually add to my book experience. It when I feel special or um, I think like, uh, yeah, just it's just another place online. It just looks like another, you know, place like every other digital space looks like online. And um, one of the words I use is, is like um, pleasant, right? So, mm -hmm. so much of our, um, of our internet experiences, and I think Goodreads included, they're just not nice places to spend time with. They're noisy, mm -hmm. they're chaotic. There's too much going on. And so um, we really wanted to take the idea of like your cozy reading nook in oh. like this perfect library, you know, sort of thing with like light streaming in through the windows and sort of translate that into the look and feel of our design and our app so that when you're spending time there, it's like a very pleasant and thoughtful and like nourishing place to spend time. Wow. Oh, I love that. Yes, you've taken the literal experience of reading and what it's what it is what it is like and you've put it on an online platform. Yes. And what it's supposed to be like. Oh my gosh. So take me back with sweet little Emily. Of course, books have <laughs> been such a big part of your life. I really want to learn about where this all started for you. And yeah. maybe it begins with a very memorable reading experience or many, or maybe it was even like not that long ago, but yes, take me back to sure. where and when books began to inspire you. Well, I've always been a really big reader um, ever since I was a little kid. Uh, I definitely caught the bug early uh, from my, both my parents are big readers actually, but my dad really, um, he loves fantasy. He loves Lord of the Rings. And when I was young, like five or six, he started reading The Hobbit to me and then eventually took off, got the train wheels off and started reading Fellowship on my own. So we really shared a love of the trilogy together. And then, um, yeah, and then so I've always been a big reader. Uh, I was um, actually a part of my junior high's book club and uh, which was run by the librarian of our middle school and it was like me and all my best friends it was like the most fun ever uh <laughs> and um so yeah definitely was one of those kids uh always in the library um and then in high school i remember reading um some of the things that like really set me on fire were discovering Tom Robbins. I don't know if you've ever read any of his work. He's an author from like the 70s. He wrote Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Um, and that's like a sort of crazy feminist Western romp. And that I just remember that being one of those things where I was like, wow, like this is really, really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I basically when I... Um, when I got into college and started working right after, I had fell out of the habit of reading for pleasure. And one day in my late 20s, I woke up one day and realized I can't remember the last time I read a novel. Uh, this was a really disturbing thought to me. And so I decided to start a book club, actually, with one of the friends that I was in my junior high book club with. We were like, oh, well, that was really fun in junior high. Maybe we should do that again. And the purpose was really to help us read more fiction, do more of the thing that we wanted to do, but weren't doing on our own. And uh, so started that book club about 10 years ago now. Uh, and things have just kind of been going on going ever since. Oh, I love that so much. I'm like, you know, my heart is sad that I didn't know you in high school. <laughs> like, you know what? Now we know each other. Now we know each other. I was trying like something I'm honestly working on is like an interviewer like podcaster is to 
shut my mouth while you talk and not make noises. But I like was so badly trying to contain myself when you were talking about the book club with the librarian. Oh my God, that is so amazing and so cute. I love it. Um, yeah, I just, you know, that really, um, that, that book club experience when I was in junior high really fostered my, um, my love of like what it is to like talk about books and discuss books and like just how fun and joyful that can be. Oh my gosh. And I guess I want to kind of tap into this experience a little bit more. Yeah. So what, what did books mean to you and how that catapulted? I guess maybe even on an emotional experience, because I know also those younger years are such formative experiences. Well, I yeah, I, I think um, what just drew me in so much um, and, and why I've always loved it is um, – I, I'm a really curious person and I just love learning about new places, new people, new stories. Um, and, uh, and I love traveling. And I think that like, you know, through a book, it, it is really a form of travel of like experience and discovery of the world around you. And so I think, um, you know, even as, as a young kid, that was always the most uh, exciting, you know, part of uh, of reading was just like even and, and and even or maybe even especially with fantasy too, because like it doesn't have to be a, a real place that you're discovering or learning about. I mean, new worlds count too, but that element of um, being immersed in a different place, I think, is was one is one it was one I mean, is still a really powerful motivator for me, but. But that's something I can identify as a kid that I was like very um, drawn to. Mm, I love that so much. And so I know you kind of, I really want to hear about the origin story of like when you came up with italic type and like yeah. how you brought that together. Because I just, I don't know, again, even with me kind of bringing Dog Your Book Club to life, it's been like such an experience. And I just as meeting a fellow book entrepreneur, I really want to learn about how that came to life. Oh, just, it's like really easy and seamless, right? Mm -hmm. so, it's a journey. Um, so how did this come about? So I mentioned about 10 years ago, I started a book club in Chicago mm -hmm. and the point was to help people read more fiction and emailed like a bunch of people that I knew who wants to do this. And we've been going ever since actually. So it's, we have 70 people on the list now. We have about like 15 people that come to every meeting. Uh, and as the years went by and I was getting more involved in this book club and leading it and growing it, um, I realized that there were so many just really interesting and powerful benefits that were coming out of this book club not just the social accountability and motivation to read more. Sometimes it's not, even if you love to read, it's not always easy to carve out the time and, and to prioritize that. So the book club definitely helped with that. But when you're reading to discuss with people, you're reading a little bit more reflectively, you know, thinking to yourself, oh, what did I think about this or what this character is doing, et cetera. When you're talking with other people about the book, um, you always learn something new from somebody else's perspective. Somebody always read something in a different way than you did, or maybe you missed it. Um, and so you're learning more from other people. And then finally, and maybe most importantly, it was this really amazing conduit for friendships and relationships because you're getting to know people on a really um, personal and substantive level that you really can't replicate in other ways. And especially, I think, not really online, um, you know, in a, in a more surface level sort of way. And so one of my friends in the book club was joking to me and said, like, you know, I think in your 30s, uh, book clubs are the new bars. Um, like, it's sort of like, how, you know, how do adults um, make new friends? And this was like a really, really um, important way. And it just helps you see, you know, another person's perspective so much better, too. I think books um, 
are act as like a really interesting sort of like conversation, like neutral conversation, like buffer object. So that when, if we're disagreeing about something, about a book, and I say, oh, I interpreted it this way because this is my life experience. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, this is what I thought because this is my experience. And you might say, oh, interesting, right? So it helps people, I think, be a little bit less defensive and like learn more from other people. Okay, so these are all the amazing insights and benefits from book club. And I just was like obsessed with like thinking about um, how do we get everyone to do a book club? How can we get everyone to have a great book club experience? I'm pretty sure it's going to save democracy and save the world. So let's try to do this. And um, so it was that was a really big part of the inspiration and the motivation of thinking about how can we distill down those benefits and make them more accessible to more people. And that's one part of it. Another part of it is, is Goodreads, like we talked about, and just like, how come this is all there is? And couldn't it be better? And don't readers deserve something like a little bit better? And then the third piece was um, I heard uh, the, the catalyst really, okay, we're going to start this and actually do this thing, was I was listening to a podcast and I heard an ad for Blinkist. And Blinkist the a subscription service uh, and Basically, what the ad said, their value proposition is, um, you know, reading is important, but you don't have time. So now you don't have to. You can sign up for Blinkist for $16 a month, and we'll send you the bullet point summaries of the book. And I, I had a very visceral uh, reaction to this idea. I sort of took it really personally, um, and it ha I had a big reaction to it because it was the exact opposite of what I wanted. Now there's a market for that, you know, okay, that's great. That, that's going to be something that appeals to some people, but it was the opposite of what I wanted. I don't want something that like gets me out of having to read. I want something that helps me like magnify all like the benefits that I get from it so that I feel more incentivized to read more. I want to read more and engage more with books, not less. Um, and so that was when I, I thought, wow, how come startups are focused? How come all the innovation and startup sort of energy that exists around books are focused in these sort of shortcut type ways and aren't really um, about serving readers, people who really, really love to read and like and their interests. And that's where I thought the opportunity space was. Mm. Oh, my God. I... Yeah, you saw me like totally reacting. <laughs> I took it so personally. Yeah, I, what was it? There's another one I'm hearing about where you take a screenshot and it reads it to you. Yeah. Hey, I love that we are, because for people who say, I don't know, there, anyways, people who are not able to read a book, but really, really want to and want to get the story and hear the story, yeah. cool, great. But it just, you're I, yes, it totally takes away. And I love how you said, like, the point of reading is to get you into something. And this is something that's getting you literally out of the experience. It's almost, I want to eat my veggies. You might as well just breathe next to them. And what has building the Italic community taught you? Uh, well, we talked a little bit about this at the outset, but I think one of the, the biggest things for me is just um, how great readers are. I mean, I think like to be a reader, you know, there's a few things that are true about you. You're interested in learning about yourself, other people, about the world. Uh, you're, you value the experience having and developing empathy and trying to learn more about other people's perspectives and put yourself in other people's shoes enjoying stories and i think there's also something inherently reading is really interesting because it's it is inherently social and solitary at the same time it's mm. social in that we get recommendations from other people and when we're done with the book we want to talk about it but then we're reading alone and so i think readers have this big desire to want to like connect with other people find their book club i mean that's really like the energy that's going on um on bookstagram and I see a tab type really as a complement to that, like sort of an on-ramp that might start on Bookstagram, might continue onto a tab type where you say, okay, let's read this book together. 
and talk about it. Okay, you posted uh, a great recommendation in your story, and I'm going to read it and let you know on Taltype that that I read it um, and what I thought. So I think um, overall, just what I learned was just like the um, the desire that readers have to, first of all, to like want to create new spaces. I think there's a real demand there and just their passion also for um, for this hobby, um, essentially. Like so it's something that like really like improves our quality of life. Uh, and I think it's, um, like I said, I think it's the best, uh, you know, community and I guess in the parlance of business. I mean, it's like the best sort of group of consumers I think there is to like work with and work for because they're so passionate about and love, um, love this product, love this product of books. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love it. So what's something that you didn't expect you would get out of italic type? In a good way or a bad way? You know what? Honestly, both. <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> there's like unexpected challenges and surprisingly good things. I would say one of the unexpected challenges that we encountered um, that we were maybe a little bit naive about going into it was some of the difficulty around book data that exists. Um, so I think we had sort of thought, oh, it'll just be like really easy to get really high quality book data and covers and have that all match up to the ISBNs and the authors and the titles and everything like that. And um, that was a bit trickier to navigate than we realized uh, in terms of how to um, ingest and create a database that ha- that's going to have everything that readers are searching for. Uh, and, and, we're still, and we've gotten to a place where it's good, but the data work is going to continue to be something that we have to work on because... Uh, for example, we want to get to a place where you can search for a title and see all the different editions that are under that one title, but that there's some like structure and hierarchy there. Every individual title might have 10, 12 ISBNs that, that go along with that. So it's a little bit of a complicated area to, to try to work through and, and organize. So that I think is just one of the unexpected things that we encountered as we were developing and building the platform. Um, something surprising in a good way, I think, is when we started uh, working on Taltype, um, it was before the pandemic. Uh, and then the pandemic happened. And I think it changed reading behaviors in some interesting ways. We did a survey uh, early in this year, in January, called State of the Reader. And we're actually going to do, do this uh, State of the Reader survey uh, annually. But we wanted to learn like how people's reading habits had changed during the pandemic. And we found that overwhelmingly, uh, like 80 plus percent of our respondents said that they were reading a lot more. And only 7% of people said that they were reading less during the pandemic. And I think one of the things that really fueled that was um, I've seen a big rise in audiobooks. Um, and I think when we first started working on tag type, we had conceived of it being something that was going to be more focused on physical books. And I still prefer my, you know, my, my format preference is to read a physical book. I like the tactile physical experience. I do have an e-reader. I do read on that sometimes. Um, I don't do audiobooks as much, but I know that a lot of people are really bringing more audiobooks into the mix right now. And so something that we made a decision to, um, to change a little bit as we were going along developing was to give more autonomy to the reader and the user in terms of having it be more format agnostic. So a tab type is for people who love physical books, 
and if they read on an e-reader and if they do audiobooks like so we have an you can track pages but we also have an option to toggle to have a percentage so you can do a page number or you can do a percentage um we have we're trying to make it even easier to uh if you're listening to something, like take notes on, on your book board, if you're listening to the book, um, making it so that you can tag books in different ways in the platform. If, so that you can say, this was a physical copy, this was an audiobook. if somebody wants to keep track of the format. So that, that would be just an, an example of something, you know, we've learned along the way that we've incorporated into how we've continued to develop. Mm, I love that so much. And I, this sounds so like surface level. I love how much you care about the reader. I know that's so obvious. I almost feel silly saying that, but it's you care so much about the reader experience. And again, I just, there isn't a lot of online platforms that really care about it. So I just, I love it. It just makes me so happy. And I'm really excited to get more involved with you guys. So I want to start asking some like bookish questions and about the books you read and your favorite books. So what books are you reading right now or book? Uh, Well, I'm always reading a couple of books at the same time. So I mentioned a little bit, um, I have a bit of a book club, uh, a little bit of a book club bug uh, that hit me several years ago. And so in parallel to developing a talent type, um, I've also um, just gotten more and more involved in the book club world. And actually now I'm a professional book club facilitator. So a person who gets paid to lead book clubs is not something I would have necessarily thought, but it's been a really interesting and rewarding and fulfilling side gig that complements talent type. I'm in uh, as a participant in a couple book clubs. I lead um, about four book clubs professionally. I'll be honest, it's probably one too many book clubs. I think I might be a little bit at my threshold, but so I do read several books sort of at the same time uh, often. Right now, I can tell you I'm reading um, Mary Jane for my original Chicago book club. I'm reading The Dawn of Everything um, by David Wengro and David Graeber, A New History of Humanity. And I am reading SPQR, A History of Ancient Rome. Wow. Oh my goodness. Uh, so <laughs> both, both those two last books are, are big, long history books. I'm not sure why I decided to read two 700 page history books like, at the same time, but, but that is what happens. Sometimes the library dictates, you know what I mean? Like I got, you get your library holds in and it's just like, ah, oh, this is what's happening now. So, uh, so yeah, I read a mix of everything, um, fiction, you know, novels, literary fiction, nonfiction. I really like history. Um, I like reading like pop science type books. A lot of like, I like natural science stuff too, biology. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, you know, one of my original kind of thrusts that I can remember as a young person and today is just like, love learning about new shit. Can I say new shit on the podcast? I just love learning. I just love learning new things. Uh, so I, what did I finish just recently? I'm, I'm looking at my italic type cube. Um, yes. Uh, I just finished, oh, I just finished the other day, The Death of Vivek OG. You ever read that? Oh my gosh. I want to read that book very, very much. I'm going to recommend it to you now. Uh, it was excellent. It was really, really good. Um, and I just, uh, I also just read The Body Keeps the Score. I don't know if you've ever read that one, but also- That is on my bookshelves. That is definitely a book I really need to read at some point in my life. So, um, yeah, a real, a real mix. I love it. And so what's a genre you always loved and what's a genre you're, you started loving and you're like, oh, I didn't expect myself to love this. Interesting. I mentioned my first real powerful reading experiences as a kid um, was with my dad and like Lord of the Rings. And so I've always loved fantasy. In fact, uh, the um, the junior high book club that I mentioned in sixth grade, it was a fantasy, it was specifically a fantasy book club. And then 
uh, in seventh grade, there was a vote on if we should continue to be fantasy or if it should just be regular book club. And I was the only person that voted for fantasy book club. I've always loved, I've always loved fantasy and a genre that I didn't expect to love. I always like to keep an open mind. A lot of people, um, I think, have a lot of like, rules of like, oh, I never read this or I only read whatever. I'll try anything. And I think that there, by and large, is always something to learn from a book. Even if you don't like it, why don't you like it? Those are interesting things to think about and examine. And there have been several times in book clubs where I've gone into a discussion, um, not particularly liking the book on my own, but coming out of the discussion, um, appreciating a lot more things about it that I didn't get, but other people did. And that, that made me sort of reevaluate my opinion. Um, So I love it when that happens. Those are like the best, uh, best moments. Um, And so I can't really name like a specific genre that like I like now, but I didn't think I would. I will say that I'm not the biggest romance or rom-com reader. However, in one of my book clubs a couple of years ago, we read um, exotic stories for Punjabi widows. Oh, I'm not going to remember the author's name, but but I which I feel bad about. But I will say um, this book, Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows, was excellent. And like I, you know, it is sort of it is a rom-com. I didn't think I was going to particularly like it, but. I was really, really surprised. It's all about um, it's all about the Punjabi community in London and uh, this group of ladies that like gets together in like a old community annex to like write erotic fiction short stories and like read them to each other. And it was and it was just and and there was so much interesting stuff in there about like I said I love learning about like other cultures and religions and people and all of that was in there. And I think that's just an example of you never know. And you should always try. I am writing this down because that sounds um, that sounds like the sweetest story. That sounds so freaking good. I loved it. It I love it. Oh my gosh! So I selfishly want to know, but I'm sure our listeners want to know. Let's just because I mean, shoot, I have like 20, 20 favorite books, but. Let's make this simple for everyone and make sure we're not. But what are your, let's say, like top five favorites? Maybe like that first come to mind. This is a hard question. I know it's really, yeah, trust me. And, but I'm like, you know, I I almost, I want to, I want to selfishly know like what your favorite books are. I always love adding to my list. <laughs> okay. What are my favorite books? Um, all right. I am going to start with uh, The Power by Naomi Alderman. Uh, I've read that one several times. I love it because I love thinking about, um, I love thinking about like alternate, alternate universes, alternate histories, like this question of like, what if? Um, So in The Power, uh, the premise is essentially women discover one day that they have this like, um, you know, physical capacity to develop electricity in their bodies that can like shoot out of them. So like, essentially what happens when women can physically dominate men? What happens to society? You know, we often talk about like, oh, if women, you know, were in charge or ran things, it'd be better. Um, you know, and yes or no in different sort of ways, but this book asks like a really interesting question and, and the, you know, and just about how um, in some ways, yes, in some ways, no, you know, you know, women aren't good or bad, just like men aren't good or bad. Like it'd be, it'd be sort of a mix of like some good things would happen and and some, and some bad things would happen just that it's not really, it's about power uh, more than it is about anything else. And so I, I think that book is really interesting. Um, other favorite books. Well, we were talking about Murakami a little bit, and One Q Eight Four is one of my favorite books of all time. That's one of the most memorable 
recent like adult reading experiences that I can remember in a previous job. This was, um, you know, six or seven years ago. I we had like a winter break uh, off from from the from uh, that job, and just for two days straight, like honestly, all I, I I just read that book. Like I woke up, I read that book all day. I went to sleep. I woke up again the next day. Just kept on reading that book. It was like the best, honestly. Um, that book is so amazing, and I'm such a big Murakami fan. Uh, so that's definitely one of the big all-time favorites. Another favorite of mine that's that's standing out is um, a book called Dalva by Jim Harrison. Uh, and uh, I love that one because it's just so unexpected. Um, it's about uh, a woman in her 40s, just sort of like figuring her life out. But and written by a man, but in such a astonishing sort of way. It's just like so, so good. One thing that I really appreciate is I love finding hidden gems. I love like combing the backlist. There, there's so much discussion that gets dominated about the new releases. And I, and I understand why that's the case, but it, that doesn't necessarily reflect like what it is that people are reading and enjoying and loving. And so that's, that's my, my, my personal, what really lights me up is like finding something like older that is like so, so cool. A um, couple other older hidden gem type books that I'll mention. One is called Ruby Fruit Jungle by Rita Mae Brown. It was really popular in the seventies. Actually, my mom recommended it to me. And it's one of the, it's sort of like a lesbian version of Catcher in the Rye, but like better. And, but it's from the early seventies and uh, just really, really good and, and really interesting um, and, and, and groundbreaking, certainly for the time. Uh, so that's Ruby Fruit Jungle. And then the last one I'll mention is a book called Beer in the Snooker Club. Um, by an Egyptian author whose name I'm going to pronounce very badly, Wagi Gali. Uh, and that's almost certainly not how you pronounce that name. But the what book is, is incredible. It's um, He wrote it in 1964, but it you read it and it's like it could have been written today. It's about um, post-colonial Egypt in the 1950s. Also, again, sort of a catcher in the rye type vibe, but it's a coming of age story. Uh, and about this young man who is trying to navigate the changes that are going on in society and like wanting more things to change, but also getting really disillusioned by hypocrisy and greed. And so, yeah, nothing similar at all to what's going on today. Um, and, uh, also just, uh, really, really good. So those are some of my favorites. I love it. So the last one is beer in the what club you're in in the snooker club snooker club okay because yeah. i'm like also writing these down i'm like okay i want to make sure i spelled that i i love that i also love i really want to like get into your opinion on that because on the um on the aspect of like these super like i don't know books that have been on like the new york times bestseller list for like too many weeks and i'm like okay well, I don't even know if I want to read you because I just right. feel like you're too hyped up. And yeah. I feel like there are so many books that I love that are so either like underrated or I'm like, why is no one talking about this book? So like, is there a book that is also on that list for you? You're like, why is no one talking about this book? I mean, I guess I think maybe some of the ones that I... I've mentioned are um, I'm looking. Why is no one talking about this book? Let's see. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a specific title. I think like there's there's um, there's just so many great books. I guess is what I will say. Like what I, what happens to me in almost every conversation I have with a reader is someone's like, "Oh, have you read this yet?" And seventy percent of the time, my answer is no. You know what I mean? Because like. Um, 
there are so many more amazing books that are worth reading than I'm going to be able to read in my lifetime. And that's just a fact. And so what we read and like when and why and how, I think really depends more on like the social context or, or like the, um, the world context of like what's going on than, than it does anything else. And so that's like a big part of what we're trying to do with italic type is to say that for readers like us, the big problem is not, I don't know what to read next. My problem is I have like a hundred books on my queue. Oh, there's a million things that I want to read. What So of all the things that I'm interested in reading, what do I read next? And so how do we make help people make those decisions based on their connections, based on what's going on in the world around them, based on like, you know, other interests and things like that? I think like 80% of the books that I love aren't talked about enough online <laughs> for that reason. But that doesn't mean that they're not amazing and and worth talking about. I just think that it's unlikely that we're going to have, you know, everyone be talking about all the great books, like at any given time, you know, and another thing that, um, you know, I just, I think there's like a little bit of tension around is, and again, I understand why like the new releases and the book publicity drive is sort of in this one way. But when I see things like here are the five books coming out in May that you have to read right now, I'm like, well, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to read the five new releases coming out in May. Maybe I'll read some of them at some point in my life, like in a year or two, if they come up in a book club or if a friend tells me to or whatever. Um, but I think this idea that you have to read everything like right now, like when it comes out or you're going to miss it or it's whatever is, is sort of not my style. <laughs> I so resonate with that. And Something I've really been like loving and kind of like giving myself grace for is like reading a book when your soul is ready to read it. I was in this like Toni Morrison hole like a year ago and I was beating myself up for not understanding. I know like in a college class we read jazz and I just didn't get it. I was so out. I just, but then I read it and I was just, I was in love with it. I loved every single Toni Morrison book I've read so far, but it's because like I was ready to read it now. And I just, I so agree with that because I don't think it's fair or conducive to like push books onto people. It's almost like you have to watch this movie or you have to listen to this, but maybe it's like a really like books are a whole visceral experience, at least for us bookish lovers and like also just sensitive women. It's like any kind of um, influx of information. It's yeah. just, I think books come to us when our soul's ready to read them for sure. So I, I really resonate with I that. I totally agree with that. And I, but I, and I would also add too that, yes, it's about like giving yourself like the time and space for like when you're ready. Um, and that's actually why, like, one of the features we have on Type, we have a paused shelf because sometimes you just need to pause a book and, like, you aren't feeling it, like, for whatever reason, that moment, but you might come back to it, like, a year later. Your son says, like, oh, yeah, you should, like, try that again. Oh, yeah, give it a try again. There's been lots of times where I wasn't feeling something. Like, you know, I tried a particular book and then tried it again a few years later and then I really got into it more. Um but I think that in addition to that, it's not like it matters more to me if you, someone I know, a friend of mine says like, Emily, I just finished this. You're going to love it. Like you should definitely read it. Okay. That's going to get like prioritized in my queue because I know you and I want to connect with books. Like um, that's, that's something that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll read that in the next couple books. But Somebody that I, you know, some, you know, random list or some a media outlet or a random, some other influencer or whatever, like just saying this book, this book, this book is everywhere or whatever. That's not really going to do it for me in the same way as somebody I know and care about telling me, you like, as in the same way you were saying, like, you should, you should watch this movie. You should listen to this song. Um, well, who is telling it back to you, I think is really yes. important. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And now I'm also really 
when you say I actually follow recommendations of people I really care about and I also even respect and um, I relate to their, um, their, what was it going to say? Some people recommend you a book. You're like, hell yes. Some do. You're like, eh, not my style, but love you. But <laughs> I don't put that into one word, but I've been really into and also honoring like the long captions that people write. At mm-hmm. first, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't like write a list. Are people going to read it? And then actually when I, the friends I've made on Bookstagram and the beautiful long captions they read about books, I'm like, that actually now has me sold and running to the bookstore and has mm-hmm. me embracing even my my love and my, um, my passion for writing because I'm a writer as well. And, but then also I'm eager to share this beautiful, vulnerable in this even visceral reaction I had to this book that are also going to get people to love it. And that's where I'm finding like, mm-hmm. I'm relating to people and reading experiences so much more. So if you can give someone a book to tell them that you love them, whether it's a romantic interest, whether it's a sibling or a family member, or even if it's a friend, what book would it be? A book that says, I love you. That's a very interesting question. Um, not a book that I love per se. Is that I right? Guess so it totally depends. The answers have been completely different. I know one was to okay. a friend. Some people have said to romantic interest to kind of understand like their humor, who they are. Um, okay. Um, let's see. I think I would give, <laughs> this is maybe going to be a funny answer. Um, I would give people uh, the book, I Contain Multitudes by Ed Young, uh, which is all about uh, our microbiomes that, that live inside of us. And the idea that we have like millions and millions, literally, of other species of animals that live inside of us and have evolved with us and that that's an important part of how our bodies work um i've read that book a few times it always blows my mind um and i think it's one of the most like eye-opening and awakening books oh and i'm gonna say one more too um i would say in addition to i contain multitudes i would also give um on being mortal by Atul Gawande, uh, which is also a really fabulous book about uh, what happens to us as we age and the trade-offs that people need to consider around quality of life and like medical intervention. I make my parents read it. I made a lot of people read that book um, because I just think it's it's also... um, a really, really important one. I guess what those what those two books both have in common is um, I think the more we can understand about ourselves and how our bodies and brains work, um, the better we can make decisions about how to lead happier and healthier lives. Mm. Oh my God, those books sound amazing. I'm so excited to add them to the list. Ah! So final question okay so I always ask this at the end and I know you've touched upon this but I don't know maybe you'll answer differently so why do you read why do I read there we did talk a little bit about this like learning and discovery and curiosity element I would also add to that that especially today in today's world, and I think it's only getting more important, we are living in a world of increasingly distracting media environments. We have information flying at us from all different sorts of ways. We get pings and dings and notifications. We have this infinite scroll sort of universe um, where we can be just endlessly distracted however we want. We are always in a state of experiencing prefrontal cortex overload. We feel like we're frazzled and being pulled in a lot of different directions because we are. Um, And because of that, I think reading a book provides just 
such a necessary like reprieve and release from that. I think that there's a meditative quality to um, focusing your attention in one way and in one direction. And even if you do it, even if it's 15 minutes, 20 minutes, even if it's a short period of time, just doing that for, for a short period of time. And um, I sometimes feel like when I'm reading, I can almost feel my brain like repairing itself. Like I feel it feels good, like up there. You know what I mean? I feel my neurons repairing and reconnecting. Um, and so that's another, uh, I think, important benefit and just and really important value that reading brings to us. And that is getting, I think, even more important. Oh, my gosh. Beautiful answer. Beautiful conversation. I feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm so it's like I have a million more questions for you that I'm definitely I really want to pick your brain about. You're awesome. I'm so excited about what you're doing in the world. I'm so excited to get to know you more and to dive deeper into italic type and just thank you so, so much. Thank you. Of course. Hello, hello, you guys. Thank you so, so much for listening and coming back to Dog Eared Book Club. Your support, your listenership, your love means the world to me. And as I said earlier, it is so freaking good to be back and just doing this. So again, if you haven't already, make sure to give me a follow on Instagram at dogeared.bookclub and follow for all the silliness and book reviews and updates on episodes and guests and all the beautiful things to come. And of course, make sure to give italic type a follow on Instagram at italic underscore type underscore and click the link in the bio and explore how you can connect with italic type, connect with the community participate in the community, participate in the monthly state of the reader. And I am just really, really excited. I love you guys so, so much. And I will see you guys next time.